I want you to open your Bibles with me this morning to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to jump into this passage today. You know, we ended this sermon series last week uh, in the book of James. And so uh, earlier this week, I was kind of sitting back and kind of thinking through uh, what we're going to talk about today. And I thought, uh, you know, after a little bit of study and a lot of prayer and a lot of focus, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of time just trying to figure out exactly the next steps, uh, it's clear to me that the passage that we're going to walk through today is a passage that uh, I believe it fits perfectly with what we've been talking about over the last couple of weeks, but also it fits perfectly in the time and the season in which we're in. Which, by the way, I rarely have opened God's Word and not found that to be true. I don't know how often you dig into God's Word and spend time and, and all of a sudden you, you pick up a, a passage and you're reading a passage and you think, man, that's like, that's exactly what I needed to hear today. Have you ever been through that time and that moment in your life where that's exactly what I needed to hear today? Here's why. Because God's Word is always true, <clears throat> God's Word is always relevant, and God's Word is always impactful. And it doesn't matter what season you're in, what time you're in, how old you are, how young you are, whether you're on the mountaintops or the valleys, God's Word is always exactly what we need for the moment, for the day, and for the time. And so I want us to go to Colossians chapter 2. Uh, we're going to be reading through verses 6 through 10 this morning, and uh, basically kind of talking about the idea, I've kind of entitled the sermon this morning, A Life Worth Living. And I think, again, all of us today would say, that's exactly what I want, a life worth living. I want to make a difference. I want to matter. I want to, you know, be someone that has impact. Those are the things that I want to do. And know this right up front before we dig into the passage. Everything in our world and our culture today is going to attempt to keep you from living a life worth living. You think about what I just said. Everything in our culture is going to attempt to, to try to keep you from living the life that God wants you to live. Uh, all the media, all the things that we see, the movies, music, everything, everything is going to try to get you off the base, off, with, uh, off the track with, with what it is that God wants us to do and how God wants us to live. But yet God's Word is full of truth to help us keep us there. And so, what it comes down to is just simply this, is that we have a choice to make. Uh, we have really two options in life. Number one, we can live the way the world says, or number two, we can live the way God says. And I don't know about you, but my desire, my hope, my prayer for you, my prayer for me, because let me be honest with you, it can be tough sometimes. It can be difficult sometimes to do the right thing, to live the right way. But my prayer for you, my prayer for me, is that we would indeed live a life worth living based on and according to the principles that are found in God's Word. And today what I'm going to do is give you four verses, uh, five verses, that actually eight verses. I'm trying to do the math in my head right now. I added, I added some this morning, so that's why I'm not sure. We'll get there. We'll count, we'll count them, and at the end we'll come up and figure out what it is. But I'm going to give you some verses today um, that I believe will help give you everything that you need to live that life that God has called you to live. Okay? Colossians chapter 2, let me read this passage, beginning with verse 6, going through verse 10. It says, As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. For in Him, that's in Christ, dwells all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. Now, I just want to do this just briefly this morning. I want to read this in the New Living Translation just to make sure because I, I want to 
I want to make sure that before you walk out of here today, you really get, you really understand what this passage is saying. So let me just read this in the New Living Translation. It says it this way, and now, just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow Him. Let your roots grow down into Him, and let your lives be built on Him. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies and high-sounding nonsense that come from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of this world, rather from Christ. For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body, so you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and every authority. Okay, so let's just jump into this passage and figure out how is it that I can make sure that I am living the life that God has called me to live, living a life worth living. The first truth we get from this passage, found in verse 6, is we must walk in Him. We read it a moment ago, we'll read it again. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. Now, think about that statement that I just read, that passage I just read. Basically, it's the, the idea that what God is telling us through His Word here, again, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I believe that every word that is found in this book is directly from God, it's of God, it's God's Word. Man sat down to write down the words, but it were, they were not the words of man, it was God speaking, breathing these words. And here's what He said, since you now are a follower of Christ, since you have trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, since you now claim to be a person who has been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for you, who was buried and three days later walked out of that grave to give you victory, because you have believed that, now walk in Him. And that's a picture of what God intends for each and every one of us, because here's the problem. Here's what I think all of us have seen, and maybe some of us have experienced in our own journeys. We trust Christ, we believe in Christ, we call Him our Father, we call Him our Savior, and then here's what we do. We just keep on living the way that we did before. That is not what God wants us to do. The first understanding that we must have if we're going to be all that God intended for us to be is that we must recognize and understand that because we have claimed to be followers of Christ, we actually need to do something about it. Walk in Him. You see, this promise that we have from Christ, this idea that He has saved us, is not just a promise for tomorrow. It's not a promise for the future. It is a promise for today. And man, we got to start living differently. That's what the whole book of James is really all about. In the book of James, the last five weeks, we've walked about how to talk differently and how to, how to treat others differently, how to love differently, how to live our lives differently than the world does. Not using the, the culture, not using the, 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 the standards, the, the evaluation that the world would, would give to us about how we're to make a difference. Rather, that we must use God's Word as the standard for living differently. And that's what it says here. As you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, walk in Him. Now, the importance of walking right, the importance of walking with Him, living right, is this one simple word, and I want you to get this, and maybe you want to write it down or just jot it down or just remember it if you've got a good memory. Here's the difference. Impact. Impact. Every single person in this room who claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ has a duty and a responsibility that comes directly from God that you must make an impact in this world today. Now, did you hear me on that? Did you pick up what I just said? 
Now, I know you're sitting there and you think, well, you know, he's a preacher, he's a pastor, so obviously, you know, he's got a calling on his life to make an impact in this world for Christ. Let me just tell you something very clearly. The calling that God has placed on my life to make an impact with the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world is no greater than, no bigger than, no different than the calling that God has placed on you as well. Every single person in this room has a duty and a responsibility to make an impact. So then, if that's true, let's ask ourselves the question, how are we doing with that? How are we living to make an impact? What are you doing in your journey, in your walk with Christ? How are you doing at work? Tomorrow morning, most of you will go to work, uh, wherever you might be. If you were to walk in and, and begin asking, doing like a little interview, if you will, with all the people in your workplace, and you ask them the question, let me ask, have I impacted you with the gospel of Jesus Christ? What would their answer be? Now, I know some of you are saying, well, you know, I'm not sure what they would say. I'm, I'm, I've lived right. I've been doing things the right way. But, but would people, do people notice that there's something different about you? And if not, man, we've got to fix that. And here's how we fix it. We walk in Him. Now, what that means is this. It means that in everything that we do, our faith, our trust in God's Word, our study of God's Word, our connectivity as it gathered as a church, as we study God's Word together, as we pray together, as we worship together, all of this stuff that we talk about, all of it must actually have some level of influence on the way that we act tomorrow morning when we go to work. So that when we walk in the workplace, when we go out and do the things that we're going to do, when we step onto the golf course, when we, when we step out there and do all the things that, that, that we do in a, in a week's time, in a normal week, in a normal week of living, everything should be influenced by our faith. And the problem is a lot of times what we do is we separate things. We say, yes, I'm a Christian, but then I'm going to live over here. Yes, I believe that Jesus is my Lord and Savior. I believe that He died. I believe that He rose. I believe all that stuff. Yes, absolutely, I believe it. I know that He's the only way to, to heaven. He's the only salvation you can find. I believe all of that. And one day I will experience the gift of heaven because of what Christ has done. And then we continue to live just the way that we want to live. Let me go back to what God's Word says. As you therefore have received Christ Jesus as Lord, therefore walk in him. Let it make a difference. Our world today has been um, influenced in the wrong direction because way too many Christians do not walk in Him. We walk the way we want to walk. Now, let's be honest, we all have stories, don't we? We all know stories of people who are, you know, quote unquote Christians, people who might have the bumper sticker on their car, honk if you love Jesus. And what they're doing up in the front is not hawking because they love Jesus. They're yelling at people because it got cut off. They're acting differently up in the front of the car than what their back of their car says. Anybody know? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. Anybody know somebody like that? I think we all do. We all have been to that place. And so we've got to make sure that when we claim Christ as our Lord and Savior, man, walk differently. Live differently. Navigate your life in truth. And here's, the, here's the, the, the good part about this, like, like the, the, the bonus that comes alongside, is that when we decide to walk in Him, when we decide to navigate our lives in truth, here's the cool thing, God will actually give to you everything that you need in order to navigate. Now, I know this is true. 
As I look around this room and I see lots of faces and lots of, you know, young people and old people and, and, and people from different walks of life, here's one thing that I know to be true, that there are people in this room that, that would honestly say, there have been times in my life where I've had absolutely no idea what to do. Anybody like that? No idea what to do. I've been in a situation, don't know how to act. I don't know the words that I'm supposed to say. I don't, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I have no clue. And I'm sitting back, God, give me direction. And we feel like God has not given us the clear direction of what we're to do. I was talking to a young lady the other day, and she asked me this question. It's an important question. How do I know the will of God? She came to me as a pastor. How do I know the will of God for my life? And I leaned in, and I wanted to give her a very powerful and influential answer. And here's what I said. I don't have a clue. She was not very encouraged when I said that. Because I can't tell her how she's going to find God's will for her life, except for this. We must listen to what God is saying. And the only way to listen to what God is saying, right here, walk in Him. And so that's what verse 6 tells us. But verse 6 not only tells us that we should walk in Him, it leads right into verse 7 that tells us that we should be established through Him. Now, look what it says in verse 7, that we must be rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. Here's the idea. We must be grounded in the truth of God's Word so that we will not be corrupted by the things of this world. And that really is kind of the crux of the issue here that we're talking about today. We must be grounded in Him so that we will be not, not be corrupted by others. Because I can guarantee you, you might have been a Christian for 40 or 50 or 60 years, but if you are not rooting down into Him, if you're not grounding your life in who He is and what God's Word says, then I promise you, you will be influenced and perhaps even corrupted by the things of this world. That's the way things work. It's really simple. You don't have to have a seminary degree to figure this out. You're either going to be influenced, influenced by God's Word, or you're going to be influenced by the words of the world. That's it. That's what it all comes down to. You got that? that that's the truth. So here's the question. Are we allowing ourselves to be rooted and built up in Him? Now, how do we walk in Him? By allowing our lives to be nurtured by His presence and His power. By making sure that every single day we are being fed by, we're being influenced by, we're being grown by God's presence and God's power. God's presence and God's power. How do we do that? Well, it's just simple. A couple things here. Number one, His Word. God gave you His Word. Everybody in this room owns a Bible. In fact, does anybody in here in this room, let's be honest, anybody here in this room do not own a Bible? Just raise your hand right now. Anybody not own a Bible? We all own a Bible. Okay? Now, you might not know where it, might, where it is, but you own a Bible. We all own God's Word. If we don't actually have a hard copy of it, you can take out that smartphone and you've got 5,000 apps on there that do everything that you could ever possibly imagine and things that you don't even need it to do. You can go on there and you can download the Bible for free. None of us have an excuse to not have a copy of God's Word in our life. So, how do we make sure that we're being rooted and built up in Him? Number one, His Word. Number two, by gathering. It does matter that we're coming together as God's church, as His church, coming together in this room. That's why the Bible tells us, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Why? Because when we're together, we're better. 
That's why when we went through the season last couple of months when we weren't able to gather, when, when I was sitting here on stage all by myself and William and Ken and Bruce and a few others were here in this room and it was just us and we're sitting here and, and I'm preaching God's Word and Scott's up here leading music with you know, his worship team and, and we're sitting there looking at a bunch of empty seats in the room. That's why we continue to do it, but why we long for the moment that we could open those doors and you could come back in. Why? Because gathering makes a difference. Don't ever allow yourself to buy into the idea that you do not need to gather as the church of Jesus Christ. If that were true, then why in the world did Jesus establish it? Why in the world did He create it? Now granted, I know, according to God's Word, the church is not a building. We can meet in this building. We can meet in a gymnasium, as many churches did. You can meet in a parking lot. You can meet out in a field. You can meet at the local McDonald's or the local Chick-fil-A. It doesn't matter where you meet, the church or the people, right? We understand that. But here's what's important. They must meet. Because when we gather, we're made stronger. When we gather, we're made better. Why? Because we encourage one another. We help one another. We grow one another. So His Word, gathering, fellowship of understanding, man, there's nothing that is sweeter When you're going through a difficult time in life, when you are surrounded by people of faith. And you know that's true. You probably in this room, of all of you who have been through a time in your life where uh, there's a difficulty, a challenge, maybe a loss of a loved one, and your heart is broken, and the church, the people, the people of Christ, they just come around you, and they surround you, and they pray with you, and they pray for you, and they pray over you, and they wrap their arms around you. And let me just tell you something, it makes a difference. Fellowship makes a difference. Worship. Man, when Scott and Charles and others are leading the worship teams up here, leading us in worship, that's not a performance. It is the last thing from a performance. It's nowhere near a performance. Now, granted, they're all great, they're talented, and they're using their gifts, and that's awesome. But worship is not a performance. It is ushering us into the presence of God so that we can, through music, as God's Word tells us, that we can experience the power and the presence of God. And it's so vital, it's so important. Worship makes a difference. But not only worship when we're singing, but worship when we're walking, worship when we're living, worship when we're gathered together with others. Worship is a powerful part of how we can be rooted and built up in Him. Giving is another opportunity of how we can be rooted and built up in Him. It makes a difference because if we are not selfish with what we have, If we want to use what God has blessed us with to bless others and to build the kingdom of God, it actually helps us to grow in our faith. Serving. Man, another aspect. I look down here at the Quinn family. They're they're lined up over here across the room. And every summer for I don't know how many years you guys have been doing this, but they get involved with our uh, Tim Grandstaff and our missions team, and they do work here in our community, and they have the opportunity of, uh, of having VBS out in the community, and they go out there and serve, and they make a difference, and, and, and I see them, they live in my neighborhood, and I see them all the time, and they're wearing shirts talking, you know, about serving and giving. They've got all these shirts that we've given out through all the different opportunities for ministry here through the years, and they wear them all the time. It's a reminder that they're actually recognizing the power of serving. Man, we all need to get that, because there's nothing that that helps to strengthen our faith more than when we are being used by God to bless others who are hurting. That's why we go on missions trips around here. That's why we're out there in the community and like helping organizations like the Red Cross, 
Tim Grandstaff sent me an email this week of, uh, of the impact that we've had just in the last couple of months with the Red Cross of, of donating blood here at the church. We've had a, a number of different blood drives, and I think the number, if I'm not mistaken, was like 385 units of blood that was given just right here through Thomas Road Baptist Church. Now you think, well, is that a big deal? You bet it's a big deal for about 385 people whose life might be saved because of that gift. It makes a difference to serve. Gratefulness. Being thankful. Listen again to this passage. Rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith as you've been taught, abounding in it with, and here's that word, thanksgiving. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. If you are, like if life is not great, if you're going through a season of life right now where you just feel like just things aren't, like, like they're not hitting on all cylinders, and things aren't great, and things aren't good, and, and maybe you're discouraged, and maybe you're sad. Let me just tell you, the only way to truly experience joy in life is if you are living a life of thanksgiving. Even in the most difficult seasons and moments of life, of simply sitting back and saying, God, thank you for who you are. God, thank you for what you've done. God, thank you for your, your faithfulness in my life. Thank you for your word. You see, when we have a grateful heart, I promise you, it will push out all the feelings of inadequacy, all the feelings of, of discouragement. Because when we live a grateful life, thanking God for who He is and what He's done, thanking God for all of the blessings that He brings into His life, to our lives, it will not allow us to get to the place where we'll feel sorry for ourselves. So man, live a thankful life. That's how we are established through Him, when we are rooted and we are built up in Him. It's the idea of watering plants so that they'll grow. My wife's in California right now. Uh, her parents are, uh, are moving to Lynchburg sometime this fall, and so she's out there helping to pack them up and help them go through all that process and, and uh, getting ready. And so she's out there, and she's been out there for a week, be out there for you know, a couple more, helping them get everything ready. And so one thing that my wife told me before she left, Sherry said, okay, so while I'm gone, and I thought she was going to say, you know, while I'm gone, I just want you to know how much I love you and how much I'm going to miss you. No, she said, while I'm gone, you better water my plants. That's what she told me. And so we have four plants uh, in the front of the house, and that she gathered all of her little hanging plants, you know, that she's got in the back of the house. She got them all in the back deck, and they're all sitting there. They're all lined up in a row. Like, so like when I get up in the morning and I walk into the family room, the first thing I'm going to see is all those plants lined up so I wouldn't forget to water those plants. And here's why. Because for years... She's told me that, and I've forgotten to water the plants. And you know what happens to all those plants? Guess what they do? They die. I've killed so many plants. If you go to jail for killing plants, I'd be in for life. I mean, I've done it. Now, she's been out of town for a week, and I just want, she's watching this right now in California. I just want you, I have been faithful. I set a reminder on my phone so that every night at 8 o'clock, my phone begins blaring an alarm, and it says on my phone when I look at it, water the plants. And so I've been going out and I've been faithfully watering those plants and they are not dead yet, okay? Which is awesome. Now listen, the reason I'm doing that is because if I don't water those plants, they will die. And they will look like they're just, you know, plants that have no life in them and they'll fall to the side and they'll look awful. Now listen, I've got to be honest with you. I don't care what they look like. If they died, it wouldn't hurt me, it wouldn't bother me a bit. It would hurt, but it wouldn't bother me. I mean, they're plants. I, you know, they're going to die soon anyway, I'm sure. They don't last forever. If they do, then why does she have to buy them every year, right? But listen, the same is true in our Christian walk. If we are not nurturing our walk with Christ by watering our lives, 
with God's word, with gathering, with serving, with giving, with worship, with thankfulness, if we're not doing that, you know what's going to automatically happen in your life? Death. Physical death? No. Spiritual death? You bet. Discouragement. Sorrow. Feeling like, man, it's just life just stinks. I promise you it'll happen. And not because I'm telling you that, it's because that's exactly what God's Word says. Again, rooted and built up in Him and established in the faith as you have been taught, abounding in it with thanksgiving. We need to make sure that we're established through Him. Now, here's the next statement we get from this. Not only established through Him, but guided by Him. Look what it says in verse 9. For in Him dwell all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. In other words, what it tells us is this, there is nothing missing when we follow Christ. There's nothing left to the imagination when we follow Christ. There's nothing left to this idea of like, what do I do and where do I turn and where do I go? When we are following Christ the way that Christ intends for us to follow, He will give us everything that we need in order to travel the journey of life with success. All the fullness, this passage says. Now, the world will always attack the sufficiency of Christ. We see it every single day. That people will attack the deity of Christ, that He's really not the Son of God. They'll say, He was a great teacher. He was a great leader. He was a great speaker. He was a great motivator, a great influencer. Absolutely, a great human that lived on this earth. And we should certainly learn from Him and learn through Him and, and, and even, you know, exemplify what He did and what He said. All those things, the world will say, yes, that is true. But they will attack the deity of Christ. They will say, He is not God. The world's going to attack the deity of Christ. The world is also going to attack the idea that, that Christ is everything that we need. They'll say, oh, no, 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 it's Christ plus. In other words, it's not certainly, you know, just this idea that everything that you can need, everything that you need can be found in Christ. No, you, you've got to do this, and you've got to go here. You've got to read this book, and you've got to listen to this person. And they begin to add on everything. And here's what happens. When you begin to add on what the world says you need in order to live, what you will naturally do is you will forget that God is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, which basically means this. Everything that we need to know about God can be found through His Son, Jesus Christ. Everything. Look what it says in verse 8. We go back up a verse, and here's the important thing that, again, so many of us miss out on. Beware lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. In other words, if we are not rooted and built up in Him, established in our faith through Him, thankful to Him, if we are not doing those kinds of things, here's what will happen. We will be led astray by the things of this world. And I promise you today that there are scores of Christ followers, even within this local church, who have been led astray because they've been listening to the philosophies of men rather than the truth of God. Because if we're not focusing on the supremacy of Christ, the, the deity of Christ, who He is, that He is everything that we need, when they begin to buy into this idea that it's Christ plus, when they begin to buy into that false statement, that false narrative, then life begins to get out of whack. And they begin to drift off and head off, and pretty soon you don't even know where they are, you don't even know what they're doing, you don't even know what they believe because they don't even know what they believe. Let me just tell you something. If God's Word says that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through Him, if God's Word says that, let me just tell you what that means. That means that Jesus is it, period. You don't need anything else.
We got to believe that. We've got to focus on that truth. Look what it says in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 16 through 19. You don't need to turn there. I'll just read it quickly. It says, I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he, God, will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide and how long and how high and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made. Say this word with me, it's on the stream. You will be made what? Complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. I don't know about you, and this is my last point. I want to live my life complete with him. I want all of us in this room to recognize that we can be complete. And so often, Christ followers, I hear it. I got to be honest, I've been in conversations and counseling, saying, I, mean, I just feel empty. I feel like, like, like I'm not figuring out how to do this. I don't know where to to go. I don't know where to turn. And they feel empty because of the things that they're going through. Listen, if you want to be complete, if you want to be full, if you want to be full of joy, if you want to be encouraged, you can be complete with Him. Look what it says in verse 10. And you are complete in Him who is the head of all principality and power. In other words, that word complete just basically means the idea of worth, of value, of strength. I think everyone in this room would say, yeah, that, that's what I want my life to be about. I want to feel like I'm of worth and I'm of value. I want to be strong. I, I want to be vibrant. I, I want to be impactful. I want to be influential. I want to do something. I want to make a difference in this world today. How we do that is not based on what you know or where you went to school. It's not based on, on what friends you have or how much money you have. It is based on what you do in and with your faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because as this passage tells us, you will be complete in Him because He is the head of everything. That is what God intends for us to experience. You see, our lack of awareness of this truth has nothing to do with the inadequacies of Christ. It has to do with the inadequacy of our faith. When we don't have the faith that is deep enough, strong enough, wide enough to understand who Christ is, then you're going to feel inadequate. You're going to feel a lack of worth and a lack of value, a lack of impact. And that is not God's desire, that is not God's design, that is not God's plan. God wants more from you. And because God wants more from you, it helps to remind us that God was willing to give all so that He could get more. He gave His Son Jesus. We've talked about it a number of times today. When Jesus died on the cross for our sins, He did what you could not do. He paid for the sins that you've committed that you never could pay for. And then three days later, he walked out of that tomb as if to say, I left your sins there. I left death there. And today, as we saw in baptism this morning, we walk in newness of life. Here's the question. Are you walking in newness of life? Because I believe today there are way too many followers of Christ who believe, but their faith is weak. Who believe, but they're walking empty, life because they're not digging down into who Christ is. Today, dig deep. Today, trust Him. Today, let Him be all the fullness of God for you. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the encouragement that we read in Your Word that helps us to see that in You we can find everything that we need. 
And I pray that right now in this moment of decision, this moment of commitment, God, if there's someone here or watching or listening today who has felt that, that, that pain in life of, of not measuring up, who has felt that they don't have what they need, that they don't know where to turn, God, I pray that today they would recognize that they have everything that they need in you. And that today, that is how they would be made complete. And God will give you the praise for it. With their heads bowed and with their eyes closed, I want to ask you a question in this room. I want to ask you a question through this camera, through the screen that you're watching this service in right now. Here's the question. Do you know for sure that Christ is preeminent in your life? Is He the one who has saved you? Have you come to a place where you've said, yes, I believe that Jesus is God's son, and I believe that he died and that he rose for me. I believe it. I believe it. Save me, God, through your son, Jesus. And if you've not done that, then right now, the words from your lips should just simply be that. God, I'm sorry for my sin. God, I believe you sent your son, Jesus, and I believe that he died for my sins, and I believe that he came back to life for me. So, Father, today, save me, forgive me through your son, Jesus. In a moment, we're going to be singing, worshiping together before we leave. And if you're here in this room and that prayer is a prayer that you have prayed or need to pray, our team is going to be gathered just here to my left, your right. They would love to talk with you today about that. If you're watching this right now, man, I just encourage you. If you need to figure out what does this look like, and man, I want to know more about Christ, and go to our website at trbc.org slash start. And there you will find everything that we've talked about today and more. You'll be able to connect with us. If you need a copy of God's Word, man, we'll send it to you free of charge to help you begin what it really means, what it looks like to trust that He is our all in all. So today, I just encourage you, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, Jesus is all that you need. He is the one that today we can put our faith in.
And I want to thank you for joining with us together today as we see what it is that God has done for us all. And today, if you've made a decision for Christ, or if you would like to talk further about what it is that God has done for you in the giving of His Son, Jesus, I would encourage you to email me at the address that is on the screen, pastor at trbc.org. We would love to connect with you to help you begin a brand new journey with Christ. If you would like to help contribute to our ministry as we take this message of the gospel around the world, go to the link on the screen today and help us help others with an amazing message of God's love.